to episode 120 of the Cricket Her Weekly. We are here at Hove watching the stars be the Vipers. Um, so, watching the stars again after last week's episode where we were filming from Beckenham um, and we actually watched the stars beat the Sunrisers in the end, um, reasonably easily actually. Um, and I think we both had um, a couple of couple of highlights, um, but I'll start off with, with mine. Um, it was Alice Capsey um, really batting herself back into form and um, we've seen her a couple of times in action since, not live but off the live stream of the England Day against South Africa games um, and she's looked quite fluent and kind of back to her usual Capsey-esque self, back to her best where she really was last season, particularly in the 100 where she was getting the hype around that. Um, but last Saturday it was really a case of kind of starting from quite a low base because we know that she had a really difficult um, Lottie Cup um, and you know we were saying oh she can't you know she can't scrape together a, a run um, and she did kind of come into the start of that innings last weekend against the Sunrisers looking a bit scratchy um, and I think she was actually dropped on naught um, so she you know she was certainly um, the beneficiary of some luck last weekend um, and definitely looking a bit scratchy but it was really a case of digging herself out of bad form and that was interesting to watch because that's not something we've had to see her do really before um, but that's obviously something that you need to do in order to be a top player because all of the best players go through those bad patches so actually watching her dig herself out and then gradually pull out some of those beautiful Alice Capsey shots um, that we know that she can play really well it's actually quite interesting quite nice to see Sid and she was obviously really important in the end um, in the Stars win but I know that you had your eyes on actually one of the Sunrisers players in particular didn't you? Yeah Grace Griffins again is I mean she was the best player on the pitch on the day um, and ended up on the losing side but you know she took four wickets she scored what 70 odd runs um, and she just looked really impressive but unfortunately you know the rest of the Sunrisers are just really struggling and she is utterly carrying that team and she can't do it all herself mm. I think it's quite instructive for the kind of game that cricket is that you, you know that you can have a, a great player on your side but you know you still have to have 10 players that are kind of performing to some degree and unfortunately the rest of the Sunrisers really aren't and you know she's holding the whole thing together for them and it must be really hard for her but I guess she needs to kind of for once I I always think that players, you know, should be playing for the team because ultimately it's a team game, right? But I think for once, what, she, what Grace Scrivens needs to hold on to is that she, you know, she is improving her lot. She's, you know, she's making a case for, and look, I'm holding this team together. I should be playing at a higher level. I should be playing for England soon. Um, and you know, if she holds on to that and keeps the faith that she's still, you know, improving and she's still performing, that's what she needs to do to kind of get through this really difficult period because it can't be much fun, you know, ending up on the losing side every week, especially when you're the best player on the pitch. But England clearly do have their sights on her um, because one thing I noticed that I thought was really interesting was actually sitting just to the left of us, there was an ECB talent scout. Um, well, I mean, I didn't know him, but he had an ECB top on and he was taking very copious notes um, all through the Stars innings and then all, all the while that Grace was batting. Um, and then as soon as she got out, he just like put, put his notepad down, put his feet up and drank some coffee. Um, job done. So I thought that was interesting because it kind of shows that the ECB are paying attention to some of these exciting young players in the same way that we are and she was definitely one of the ones that he'd been sent to watch um, from, from what we could tell anyway um, but that win um, it was a bonus point win in the end for the Stars and it put them top of the table um, for a week we'll have to see what happens in this game um, Vipers have just scored over 300 runs so I think that's going to be a tough chase for the Stars 
um, but we'll have to see what happens by the time we release the video you will all know so I won't bang on about that too much um, but we were last weekend also able to watch the game that happened on the Sunday the day after that Stars game um, which was Diamonds against the Thunder thank you very much um, I think it was Lancashire we're putting out that live stream yep, Lancashire again um, with a quality live stream so very grateful for that it wasn't even at Old Trafford so they took the cameras with them to Sale Cricket Club and you know put on a multi-camera with commentary and everything it's they're really well directed these streams they're definitely worth watching they're, they're basically yeah, TV quality so really impressive um, and yeah um, another young player that, that I've been impressed with and I've, I've banged on about a little you know, possibly all getting bored of hearing her name but Bess Heath yeah. had another good game um, and you know I think that she's definitely got a great future as a batter um, but you know, we're still wondering about her as a wicketkeeper. Mm. So it was really interesting to hear Danny Hazel actually jumped on commentary for a bit. And um, it was an interesting exchange because Dan Danny Hazel was like, you know what, well, I see my job as developing England players. Um, but yet when the Yorkshire Diamonds or Northern Diamonds came out to field, it was Lauren Winfield that was keeping wicket, not Bess Heath. And then Bess Heath desperately needs time in the middle as a wicketkeeper. She's, she's a good, solid, aggressive, positive batter, but her wicketkeeping, you know, is, is not where her batting is. So that's where she needs the time. And Northern Diamonds, again, don't really seem to be giving her the time. And, you know, if, if Danny Hazel comes on comms and says, my job is to win games for, for the Diamonds, um, and that's why, you know, Lauren Winfield is keeping wicket because she's the best wicket, but she is, no doubt about that. Um, then you know that's fine, fine and fair enough. But it's, it feels a bit incongruous to say, well, my job is to prepare players for the England's future, but then not to give Bess Heath those opportunities, especially as unfortunately it looks like she's not going to get those opportunities in the hundred because she'll be playing on the same team as a certain Alyssa Healy, um, who you know obviously you know in the hundred you're definitely out there to win, and Alyssa Healy is going to be keeping for that team, right? Well, you'd think that's probably quite likely, yeah. Alyssa Healy you probably wouldn't bother paying other money. Yeah. <laughs> Healy likes to be behind the stumps, doesn't she? Having having a bit of a chat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but you know, I think that you know, Bess Heath has still got time. She's what twenty one years old. But you know, we need to get her out in the middle and playing okay. those games. It was good to see her keeping wicket in the first of the England A games this week. But again, she didn't get to keep wicket in the second of those games. So. Right. Uh, so moving on, uh, the other big big news this week has been New Zealand contracts. Um, so New Zealand had a big announcement that's been you know, trumpeted all over the press. They're paying the men and the women equal pay for equal work. This was the headline that they, that they, they put out that a lot of other news outlets reflected. But there's a little bit more to it, isn't there, Raf? Yeah, just a bit. So peering beneath the headline, um, a couple of things kind of stood out to me, really. Um, the first is that obviously, thank you. I'm peering beneath the headline, Raf. <laughs> Very good, Sid, very good. Um, the first thing is that obviously it isn't equal pay, um, it's equal uh, equal match fees. Um, and if you actually read beyond the headline, New Zealand cricket did make that pretty clear. Um, so when you're an international cricketer, um, there are two ways in which you get paid. You obviously have your uh, base contract, um, which is sometimes described as a retainer, um, and that is the money that you're guaranteed to get in any 12 month period for which you're contracted um, and so that will be set in advance and so say you get injured and you're out for even for the whole year you, will well, still you don't get, play you don't get selected yeah. you still get the retainer that's yeah, the important you still thing get that. that money exactly um, but on top of that you also get match fees um, and so every appearance that you make for that team you will get a set amount of money um, that's set by the cricket board um, now in england um, as we understand it the england women's contracts are uh, quite um, generous um, and the match fees 
um, are relatively smaller, whereas in a place like Australia, um, obviously they're overall much better remunerated, but the women are getting slightly smaller base level contracts, smaller retainers, but they are getting a lot of more of their proportion of their income in match fees. Um, so if you actually look at the amount um, that a, uh, a very well paid um, New Zealand women's cricketer is going to get, even with these uh, match fees on top, because the women play less cricket overall than the men, um, they're still going to get a lot less, um, a lot less money um, than the men, basically. Um, so it's not really a case of um, equal pay. Um, and it is, I guess you could say it's like equal match fee for equal work, but if the board aren't arranging the matches, then that's a bit problematic because they're not giving the women the opportunity to, um, to earn the money. Um, and I, I guess that a particular kind of, um, a particularly insulting example of this is the fact that in the press release it actually says, oh, by the way, the match fee for playing in a test is going to be exactly the same for the men. And the women, I believe that, that if you play in a test, you will earn $30,000. So that's great, isn't it, Sid? Um, sorry, $10,000 $10, for a test. So if you play in a three-match, a three-test series, then you will earn $30,000. So that'll be brilliant for somebody like Sophie Devine, except, oh wait, the New Zealand women haven't played a test since 2004 and the New Zealand cricket board don't support them. In playing tests, um, so that's a bit of a um, a bit of a kind of obfuscation deliberately, um, and it does feel a little bit to me like New Zealand cricket have deliberately released this news as if to say, oh well, um, we know it's not really equal pay, but we trust that people won't really look very far beyond the headline. So we're gonna we're gonna plow ahead with this headline and hope that people, for example, BBC TMS will just tweet and go, oh, equal pay for New Zealand's men and women cricketers, and not really to be too bothered about looking at the fine print um, so maybe I'm a bit cynical um, and it's obviously a great step in the right direction but it has been painted as something a bit more progressive than it actually is I think yeah and once you add once you factor in the retainers you know the, the, the New Zealand men are basically earning twice as much as the women I mean you know, the top New Zealand man will earn twice as much as the women top New Zealand man's going to earn something close to 500,000 New Zealand dollars top New Zealand women will earn something close to 200,000 New Zealand dollars now you know it's, it's compared to what the women were earning a few years ago it's not a shabby amount and it's important to, you know to recognize progress where it's being made and we can't take instantaneous jumps um, I think that, so that's an important thing to say that what um, the sport needs to understand is that we have to move incrementally towards equity in salary because it's not possible at the moment to take the huge jumps that would be necessary to uh, kind of meet that equity barrier because there just isn't the money to pay Sophie Devine you know half a million New Zealand dollars a year right because you know you'd have to obviously also pay the rest of the, the New Zealand team those, those levels as well so you know it's probably unreasonable to expect New Zealand cricket to have done more than they've done but it's important to recognize that there's still a long way to go and ultimately another thing I keep bunging on about I don't think that ultimately this can be achieved without cutting the salaries for the men um, you know I took to Twitter and wrote a thread about this but what it comes down to is there's only a certain amount of money in the sport most of the significant money in the sport comes from pay TV pay TV are not going to suddenly come up with millions more pounds to inject into the game and therefore the the money to kind of double all the salaries for all the women just isn't there at this stage. You could potentially, over the longer term, gradually bring down the salaries for the men. I think that's what's more likely, that ultimately we'll get to equity because essentially the men's salaries will stay roughly where they are, maybe go up in small increments, the women's will go up in larger increments and gradually inflation will take care of it. But it's gonna take a long time. Okay, thanks for that, Sid. Um, now, 
we have got the first of the England v South Africa ODIs taking place on Monday, um, and that is going to be at Northampton. Um, so and Northampton, but we're in Hove now. We better start walking, Raf. Off you go then. No, you're never gonna, <laughs> you're never gonna get there at that speed, Sid. Um, the point is that there's actually been some interesting discussion around um, who England might play as their starting eleven. Um, and what's been particularly interesting for us being here at Hove today is we've, that we've seen Alice Davidson Richards playing, uh, fresh from making her Test hundred at Taunton. Um, but it looks very much like she's not going to be playing in that first ODI on Monday. Otherwise, there's no way they'd be letting her play regional cricket today. Yep, she was released to, to drive down from uh, the Midlands where the team are at the moment. Um, all the way to Hove, she's playing today, um, and so we don't think we'll see her. It's, it's, but it says some, says some interesting selection mm -hmm. dilemmas going on at England level, isn't there? Because we've got increasingly, we've got too many good players. Um, we've also we're, we're watching Freya Davis here today, you know, and she obviously hasn't made it into the into the ODI squad either. Um, you know, we might be seeing her again later in the year. We don't know, but you know, th there's so many good players fighting for places at the moment, aren't there, Raf? Yeah, nice problem to have, isn't it? Because it feels like a little bit like we've been talking about and bemoaning the fact that Australia have got that real next stream, next generation of players gradually feeding up who all look really exciting. But it does feel like the regional system is kind of starting to bed down in a way whereby we are getting those players coming out here as well. Um, it's not just necessarily about um, some of the young players. Obviously, we've talked about Capsie and Scrivens already in this video. Um, but players like somebody like Bryony Smith or Ailish Cranston, who had been playing for years before the regional setup started, but are actually um, so, looking so much better and so much more exciting as players now. I think I've talked before about I'd love to see Bryony Smith given the chance to open the batting in T20s because I think that you know her kind of bish bash bosh style is really amazing. But it's hard to see um, you know who who she might take the place of who she might make yeah, way I mean, for what, what are you going to do drop tammy beaumont so yeah. yeah so that would be that would be a, you know it's a, it's a really difficult dilemma isn't it um and we're expecting probably that the, the t20 squad for the south african t20s will be the same probably as the the squad for the commonwealth, commonwealth games, games which is going to be in the obviously in the 20 over format so um and because they're being selected so close together and being played so close together you'd expect almost the t20s against south africa to be like a commonwealth games warm-up so it'd be interesting to see whether they do change it up i mean just watching the england a stuff on the stream this week you know you you think about players like like Maddie Villiers, um, who bowled really brilliantly in at least one of those games. Um, Sarah Glenn is still knocking around, taking wickets in um, in England A matches as well. Freya Kemp that we've seen out here today, yeah. she just smashed, smashed what, 40 off 25 yeah. balls, something like that. Uh, another really exciting prospect. So, you know, um, I'm afraid that there are problems for, for Lisa Kitely, but they're, they're, they're of the good problems to have kind of category. Yeah, and I mean, actually, you end up thinking, like, I know that Catherine Brunt has said, oh, I really want to play in the Commonwealth Games. Um, but if there are all these exciting young players kind of coming through up on her heels, should she really maybe be Maybe she's not that? the best player. You know, if, if, if Freya Kemp can come out and do something like that here, maybe. maybe. Well, we know, and we know that Catherine Brunt isn't the future. Um, so if England really are thinking about the future, and certainly the way that they selected their Test eleven seemed to suggest that they are kind of, you know, very much focused on bringing in new players, is there going to be room for Catherine Brunt in the starting eleven in the in either the, the ODIs or the T20s? It's been really interesting to see a big dilemma um, for Heather Knight and Lisa Kitely. So. Yeah, so we're, we're awaiting that with interest. Um, but, but in relation to the England v South Africa stuff, there was one other very big announcement this week. Um, we were quite taken by surprise. I think it was just yesterday, so Friday, that we got this news. Lizelle Lee 
has announced her retirement from international cricket. Yeah, she was part of the warm-ups. So, you know, South Africa clearly thought that she was going to be a part of their squad for the ODI series and for the T20s leading into the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, you know, you think very much T20 is her format, mm. but you mean she's been performing in all formats or certainly in all white ball formats over, over the past year. And obviously, you know, you spoke to her over the winter because she was Wisdom's Cricketer of the Year, wasn't she? Um, did that conversation that you have give you any insight as to why she might have decided to call it a day, Raf? Well, the only thing I can think is that um, despite the fact that she was absolutely smashing runs everywhere last year, otherwise, of course, she wouldn't have got that Wisdom Cricketer of the Year. Um, what she was really interesting about was actually opening up about some of the mental health struggles that were really going on. So she was talking about the fact that in between games um, on some of those tours, um, so she was actually away from home for like three or four months and they couldn't go back in between, they couldn't see family um, because of the COVID, because everything was being done in bubbles. Um, and so she was away from home for a long period. She was coming out and smashing these runs and then between games, she literally couldn't get out of bed because she was just struggling so much with motivating herself. That's how low her mental health had got to. And when I spoke to her, she'd been back home. She was excited about the forthcoming birth of her, of her little baby. Um, and she was really said, oh, I feel really raring to go. Um, and not, I feel like I've had that a little bit of time away from cricket and it's given me a new kind of lease of my international career. But um, it's, it's quite possible that she's then come back. Um, she was playing in the World Cup and she's played um, in the test for South Africa and she's actually gone oh I don't know that this is for me anymore people people's priorities change when they have children um, sometimes it's the right thing for somebody's mental health for them to retire I believe we looked it up and she's only 30 years old so we would have hoped that she would carry on for several years but if this is the right thing for her then good on her um, but it has taken us a bit by surprise I think yeah, and obviously she said she's going to carry on playing in the franchise tournaments. Uh, the way that the South African salary is done, then they're not earning huge money from their domestic contracts, um, from from either their match fees or their retainers. They're making most of their money from playing in in these uh, overseas tournaments. So that those players, um, you know, if she can carry on doing that, she'll still carry on making you know similar money to what she's making at the moment, and it'll obviously give her a way to be able to manage her life because she'll be able to go, okay, yeah. well psychologically I'm going to be away for these six weeks, and then I'm going to be back to my family yeah. or whatever. And you know, if that's what at the end of the day, family is the most important thing. So if, that, if that's why she's taken that decision, then I totally understand and, and respect her for that. But we still look forward to carrying on seeing her playing back here in England, or still here in England, for the 100. Yeah, um, and I was just going to say, it's, um, it certainly seems to be the right decision for her and, and good luck to her, but um, it does leave South Africa in even more disarray, doesn't it? Um, now, that should not be Lizelle Lee's concern in any way, um, but all I'm saying is that from a kind of forthcoming series perspective and, and with the Commonwealth Games on the horizon, and that being Lizelle Lee's natural format, um, and we know that they've also got Cap, who's struggling to bowl more than three overs on the trot, um, they're still missing Donay van Nierkirk out injured. I think there was some talk that yeah, she might still, be back for the Commonwealth. They're hoping that Donay is going yeah. to be able to fly over and be able mm. to play in the Commonwealth, but I think that's still up in the air. They're, they're certainly not saying yes, she definitely yeah. will be. Um, um, and obviously Ishmael. Um, still, still, you know, we haven't seen her this week. So, you know, and they've. they've lost twice to England A, you know, that, yeah. that's, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, maybe they'll come out fighting in the, in the actual ODIs and give England a, you know, a nasty bloody nose. And, you know, good for them if they do. But from where we're standing right now, it looks like it's going to be a very tough ODI in T20 series for South Africa. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap things up, Sid. Um, let's go back and watch the second half of this game and see whether Stars or Vipers come out on top. I'm not going to ask you who you're supporting because I think that regular viewers to this vodcast will appreciate exactly where your loyalties lie. But we'll have to see. Bye for now. Bye.